0: Well, I want to restate my title, just make sure it's the <laughs> Confession of the Born Ones. I don't know if it's good uh, to announce that, uh, to call someone and say, hey, Brother Ray is preaching, get on Facebook or whatever, because you may hear click, 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 go across the county, and say, not listen to that dude today. But I'm glad you're here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity for us to worship together and uh, enjoy the fellowship of confusion, sometimes as well. Our text today is First John chapter two, verse 29. Then I'll read uh, also three chapter three, one and two, and then verse nine as well. We'll read that in a moment or so. Sunday before last. In our study of 1 John 2.18 and 3.3, and 3, our subject was our confidence at His coming. Our confidence at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that text, John admonished us to uh, abide in the Lord. And to abide in the Lord, if we did that, now abide in the Lord, we'd have confidence then, whenever that then is, when He comes for us. He gave us key aspects there to abiding in the Lord. One is abiding in His Word, and the other one is abiding in His love. And both abiding in His Word and abiding in His love are linked together inextricably because the only way we can abide in His love is abiding in His Word, and that's facilitated all of our lives spiritually, regardless of what it is. It's facilitated in the Word of God, by the Word of God, and in prayer before God. So we abide in His word and as we do that, we're able to discern His will. And as we discern His will, we're able to, to obey Him more readily, more clearly uh, understanding what His will is. And if we start to go off on a tangent, say, so wait a minute, a check of the spirit. Why, why'd that happen? The Holy Spirit checks our, our movement there, checks with our spirit. Because he brings to remembrance what we have read. And we read it in the Word of God. That's not what you should be doing. I got a little track a few decades ago. This person gave it to me, a Xerox copy of it. And it was entitled, Others May, But You May Not. Others May, But You May Not. I still have that thing somewhere because it's so true. There are things out there that are not in sin in and of themselves but it may well be that God never intends you to do any of that regardless. Others may do that, but you may not. God has a specific and a unique will for each and every one of us. And that will in him is to walk according to his divine direction in our lives, which may prevent us from doing some things that our others are doing and say, oh, this is all right. You say, yeah, but I just don't want to do that. And I'm not going to do that. Because the Lord is leading me not to do that. We abide in his word, discern his will, able to uh, obey him more clearly. And as we obey him more clearly, uh, precisely in our lives, our love for him grows. Because we see that his word is working in us and we're growing in him and our love is maturing in him, brought to perfection as the word of God tells us. And as our love matures through the study of abiding in his word, then our love is growing. You know what? We want to talk with him more. Our prayer life increases because we want to have prayer fellowship with him. Along with our desire to obey, we're growing in love. Our prayer life is increasing. And so you have this spontaneous reaction going on spiritually in our lives. We grow in obedience. We grow in love. We're growing in prayer, and we become more obedient. Down on the Texas coast in Texas City, they used to have a polyethylene unit down there in Union Carbide, and had these ten polyethylene rock reactors, never closed vessels, five stories tall. They're dangerous. <laughs> pressure got up to thirty-seven. Operating pressure is thirty-seven thousand pounds per inch and big foot-thick cells, you know, reinforced cement, and the, the cell doors were an inch thick. And uh, I had occasion to work in that unit about six months before I went over to the laboratory and, and worked, and uh, this is I was ever saved. But that reaction there, we had a controller board. If the pressure went up, the temperature went up. And when the temperature went up, the pressure went up and the pressure went up. And if you didn't get it under control, it would blow out the top and shoot black smoke, you know, 10 stories in the atmosphere because it's a spontaneous reaction. And it's the same way with us in our spiritual lives. If we're abiding in the word and growing the knowledge of him, we're discerning more of his will and obeying him more. And then as we obey him more, our love matures more. And as our love matures more, we want to pray more and talk with him more. And we enjoy that fellowship more and more. And it's continuing going on and on and on in our lives as Christians. And you know what? If it's not going on in my life, I'm in a dry spot. Not caused by him, but caused by me. I'm slacking off. I'm slacking off. God intends for us to have, as we said two or three messages ago, unhindered fellowship with him. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I've had some sweet fellowship in my life. But nothing like that. Nothing like that. The fellowship. When all of a sudden you're there in your your prayer closet in that fellowship of God and in his word. You say, oh, And I've said this, Lord, I don't want to move. I want to stay right here because you feel his presence enveloping you. God intends for us to have that. And we can do that because it's his will for us to do that. And, of course, goodness. Easily understood, is it not? If we're going along like that day by day, growing in love, growing in prayer, growing in the word of God, we're not worried about that day when he's coming. We have confidence now. And we're going to be certainly confident if he comes tomorrow at noon. <laughs> it's amazing what God has done for us. 1 John chapter 2, 29. And uh, then I'll read 3, 1 and 2. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth not, because it does not know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Did nothing yet appear what we shall be, but we know, but we know that when he shall appear, whenever that is, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 9, whoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his, sin, his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he or she is born of God. Holy Father, we love you. We indeed do, Father. We love you. And we love your word. And we love reading your word in our private devotions. We love studying your word together and worshiping in our Sunday school classes. Oh, Lord. This is one of those times here this morning, we want to sit at your feet, all of us, me included. Sit at your feet and hear your words. And for your words to have their perfect impact upon our lives that you intend. So we surrender to that, Father. Have your willing way in each of us as we come to this time of examining these scriptures together. You're a wonderful Father, Father an incredible Savior, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. amen and amen. Well, first of all, let's look at some New Testament verses that speak of being born of God. Of course, we read, too, 1 John two twenty nine. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of God. 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not sin. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And then 1 John 5, 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. All of those verses have two things in common. All five of those I read, and there's others that have the word, the phrase, born of God in it, but I selected these five. They all have, four, excuse me, these all have two things in common. Number one, not one of those verses is a salvific verse. And number two, all of them are evidential verses. None are salvific, meaning saving, but all of them are evidential, meaning evidence that you are saved. So Again, let me say that it's these verses here do not tell us how to be saved. They tell us how one, how someone is saved, how someone that is has been saved, that has been born of God, what that person does or does not do. Evidential verses, evidence of life in the soul. Now, first John five, one. It, you know, four pointers and others get hung up on this one. And you five pointers, I know what I'm saying when a four pointer is. First John 5 1 Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Well, why isn't that a salvation verse? Here's the Philippian jailer, scared out of his wits, about ready to take his own life. Paul and Silas have been praying and singing hymns, and the sails are open. No, no, I'm going to be killed for this. He said, hold on, we're all here. And this Philippian jailer goes in there and says, what must I do to be saved? What did he say? 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, it says right here, whosoever believeth. Isn't that the same thing? No, it's not. Acts 16.31 tells you what you have to do to be saved. 1 John 5.1 tells you what you do if you have been saved. Vast difference. Two ends of it there. Whosoever believeth. Whosoever. Everyone. Each. Individually. Each person that believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Believeth, Believeth is basio. It means to have and by the way, that's a present tense active verb. That means continuing, okay? Continuing action, present tense. Believing, believeth, believing, continuing to believe, to accept as true that Jesus is the Christ. That person, individual, whoever they are, man, woman, boy, or girl, that is continuing to believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Is born, Geneo. This is a perfect tense passive verb. Notice the first one I said is present tense active. He that, he that, he's that person that's believing now, but here's this person that has, is born. It's a perfect tense passive verb. And it, the, the word itself means to become the paradox. But the sense of this text, the passive tense, it means to be fathered. To be fathered due to, conceived due to male agency. And I don't know where these mother God people get off with some of these verses, but this says here that is to be fathered. That's what that word means, "geneo, to be fathered by male agency. Notice it's a perfect tense passive verb. Literally, it means, has been begotten of God. Now, if you put those verses together, whosoever is presently, actively believing is one that has been born of God. Whosoever is presently, actively believing that Jesus is the Christ is one of those men, women, boys, or girls That has been born of God. Has been in the past born, passive, they were acted upon by the Father, they didn't earn their salvation. Passive tense, they were acted upon, born of God in the past, and thus consequently today they are believing continually that Christ is, Jesus is the Christ. The recipient of past action. That's what makes that person who they are and what they're doing. Born of God. They're recipients, they're recipients of past action. Pardon me. And they're not the cause of the action. There's nothing to do to cause that action. No more than we had anything to do with our birth. One day we just showed up. <laughs> we, hello. We didn't have anything to do with that, did we? <coughs> but that past action of our showing up has got his continuing result. That past action of having been born of God has its continuing result. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm sorry. And that continuing result... <coughs> is continuing to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, there's only one conclusion we can make, right? That believing is not the cause. Believing is the result of that verse. And I want to tell you, I'm hammering I guess on that a little bit, but I've had that verse shoved in my face on more than one occasion. But these people believe because they've been born of God. Which is evidence that they've been born of God. Continue to believe is evidence that they have been born of God. And every true child of God that has been acted upon by the Father in the past... Continues as a child of God. And they will continue to manifest that Christ is God's only begotten, unique Son. You may have heard people say to you in times of crisis in their life, Well, I used to believe in Jesus, but I don't do it anymore. You know what they just told you? Number one, they're hurting. Number two, they're a mission field, because they need to understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of whom the Father is begotten, they stay begotten. Here's some examples from Scripture. Best commentary on Scripture, Scripture. Matthew chapter 16: 13 through 17. Jesus came into the coast of Cesarea Philippi. <clears throat> Excuse me. He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? I the Son of Man am. And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. Jesus looked at him and answered and said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Somebody out there didn't witness to you, Simon Peter, and convince you of that, that I'm the Christ. My father told you I am the Christ. My Father, reveal it to you. Fascinating one is Simeon. Simeon is a an old guy. He's been hanging around the temple for a long time. He's a faithful man of prayer and a worshiper of the one true God. Luke chapter 2, 25 through 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the salvation of Israel the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It's wonderful when the Holy Spirit tells you stuff. You know, he does that. Not just on the scriptures, he'll tell you things. Not to do this or not to do that or whatever. He'll also lead you. Look at this next verse. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. The Lord had impressed upon him he was going to live to see the... The, the consolation of Israel, and he led him into the temple just at the right time. And the, when the parents brought in Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, what was that Exodus 12:2 back in there, you know, your dedicated child, about 30 days of age or so, about a month old, been circumcised on the eighth day, and then about a month old, dedicated. Parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. Can you imagine Simeon holding the Lord of glory in his hands and realize who it was? Can you imagine? How sweet to hold a newborn baby. Gloria Gafer never dreamed that up maybe from that experience. I don't know, but I'll tell you what. I bet Simeon went home thinking about how sweet to hold the Lord of glory. And he knew who he was. Glory to God. The Lord tells us stuff if we're in range. And you know what I mean by that. You can't get out of range physically, but you know what I'm telling you. When we, if I'm in range, you're in range. In both cases, it was a revelation of God to Peter. That's one thing when Peter's sitting there looking at Jesus, thirty whatever years of age, been walking with him day and night. He said, "Well, okay," but it took God to tell him, because there's a host of people around listening to Jesus too that didn't have that same information that Je- that Peter had. Peter knew he was a Christ. Host of them, most of them didn't wanted to kill him. The Simeon, the baby. Glory to God. the necessity of the new birth or being born of God. Ted read it. John chapter 2, verse 3. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was a spiritual leader in, in Judaism. Why did he come by night? He didn't want anybody seeing him talking to this Galilean carpenter. But he knew this Galilean carpenter was something beyond the Galilean carpenter. That's why he came to Jesus at night. He said, look, how can... And he had said, no one can do the works you can do. I'm skipping that. No one can do the works you can do except he came from God. So Jesus, Nicodemus is making an inquiry. What's with you, sir? Jesus never wastes words. He cut the chase. Except you be born again, Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus hadn't talked about that. He hadn't said anything about that yet. But Jesus knew what he wanted to know. More importantly, Jesus knew what he needed to know. Unless you're born again, Nick, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. Even though you're a leader in Israel, even though you're a Judaizer, even though you know the Old Testament like the back of your hand, you're not going to see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. That's quite a shocker to a Jewish leader, I anticipate. How can I be born again? I'm an old man. Can't enter my mother's womb again. Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. You know, this is one of those texts that the bapt uh, the, the, the. I will say this kindly. Those people that point to baptism, that's just there for salvation. This is one of their <laughs> deals, and they pull it all out of sequence here. I was in a church and in a church in Abilene one time because my daughter was in college out there, and everybody went this particular church and they had communion every Sunday. I'll give you a hint a bit. And then they had at the end of the service the pastor of course the baptismal water was ready and he's invited people to come for baptism. You see he said when we are baptized that's when we enter the kingdom of God. I did not stand up and say a word. I maintain my composure. (laughs) But he's wrong. And look at this verse. They said well you're not saved unless you're born of water and born of the spirit and the water is a baptismal word of water. No, it's not. Go down here. It says born of the flesh is flesh. Born of the spirit is spirit. All of us have been through born of the water. I remember, you know, when Waverly's water broke, that was all, all systems were go, <laughs> And my point, ladies and gentlemen, is never to mock anyone for foolish reasons. And I don't mean to be mocking those people. But it detracts from the glory of the Father in His solitary hand in effecting our salvation. And that's wrong. Be born again. You've got to be born again. That word again, Geneo: be born. Eris, passive, tense verb. Action in the past with a present result. Born again. Again is a Greek word, anothen. Anothen means from above. What does it mean to be born again? Born from above. Not from down here, but from above. That word was used of the temple veil. When Christ died, the temple was rent from what? Top to bottom. Cut from above all the way down. Born from above. To be conceived by supernatural power. Heavenly power. From God Almighty. Now here's the human side. (laughs) The human (laughs) The human side of the process of the new birth or being born of God is kind of, sort of, okay? Kind of, sort of, the human side. John 1, 12 gives some insight about the human side and the process of being born again. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Receiving, believing, receiving, believing. Something done down here, right? Except there's this thing in the middle, he gave power. But on the front end, in the back end, is receiving and believing, and there's some power in the middle there from the Father. Received him as the word lambano, it means to take hold of. Ares tense verb, take hold of it. Action. That has been taken already. So this person that received him, past tense in English anyway, this action has already taken place. Believing, to have faith in, put absolute trust in one. Which is a present tense verb, by the way. Believing as it was before continuing to believe, continuing to believe. Now there's a slight difference between receiving and believing, but they're inextricably linked in the salvation process as far as we here on earth are concerned. Receiving speaks of accepting Christ as the Messiah, the promised one. You realize that was quite a deal for a a Jewish person, wasn't it? To receive that man, Christ Jesus, as the promised Messiah. He was known to be a Jewish carpenter. They watched him grow up. And you're telling me what? That this is the Christ? Can you see how impossible it is for them to believe in Christ as Savior. But don't assume for a moment that it's more impossible for them to believe than it is for a Gentile apart from the work of God. Remember what Nathaniel said to Philip? John, uh, John chapter 1, 45 through 46. Philip findeth Nathaniel... I said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can there be anything good come out of Nazareth? That would be the prevailing attitude about Christ. Then, walking around there, teaching all these people and doing all these miraculous works. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but I know he's a, he's a carpenter from Nazareth. And good things don't come out of Nazareth. Hard to receive someone like that as the Lord of glory. Believing the personal acceptance of the truth of the gospel. Not only have to look at this Galilean carpenter and say, well, this is a Christ, but it's to believe everything that the gospel record, believe the gospel about him. And you know what that was then? It was the Old Testament. The testified. Jesus said, Read your scriptures, it testifies of me. Personally accepting. It's fascinating, you know, Nathaniel. Anything good come out of Nazareth? What Philip says, Come and see. Come and see. <laughs> then argue with him. Just, you come. And see. And he's approaching Jesus, and Jesus looks at him and says, An Israelite in whom there's no God. Nathaniel says, You know me? And Jesus, the Messiah, the Lord of glory, said, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before he called you. And Nathaniel then says, My Lord and my God. Bingo. Salvation. <laughs> Work of the Father. Find the same pattern, really. Romans 10, 9, and 10. We've shared this so many times, you all, and I have too and sharing the gospel. Romans 10, 9, and 10. Same thing, believing and receiving. You see that pattern there. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in the heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with his mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confess is homo Compound word, homologeo. Confess. Homo means same. We certainly know what that means, right? From the world going on out there. Homo, same. And then legeo is speak. So it's same speak. So confession that Christ is the Messiah or is the Lord is this same speak. Speak the same things that the gospel says about him. The Old Testament gospel that pointed to him, by the way, because the New Testament had not been recorded at that time. Now, the t- phrase, Lord Jesus, would be a particular problem for a Jew to confess. Because Lord is the Greek word kuros, kuros, Jesus, kuros, kuros, wait a minute, kuros, is the same word that was used in the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament, which they would be familiar with. That word "kurios" was used of God in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. So when they were confessed that "kurios," Jesus, Lord Jesus, they said, wait a minute, that's, that's confessing that he is God. <laughs> to me, the scriptures, there's just nothing more exciting than this. When you see the dynamic of what goes on here. Jesus is walking among hordes of Jews looking for the Messiah. And he's the Messiah. And people are talking about confessing this Galilean carpenter from Nazareth, as Lord, as God. Boy, these people of the Way—they referred to us the Way, right back then. Before they were called Christians, weren't called Christians in Antioch, and then they were called—that was a disparaging term—Christians, followers of Christ. These are the Way. These people are crazy. They're saying that this Galilean carpenter over here is God, come in the flesh. Romans nine five. Paul speaking of the Jews said, "Who are the fathers? Whose are the fathers? The Jews. Whose theirs are the fathers? And of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came. Who is overall, comma, God blessed forever. Who is overall, comma, God blessed forever. That's the way it is in our scriptures. Who is overall." Comma, God blessed forever. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, there's no common in the Greek. There's no commas there. No punctuation. Who is overall God blessed forever. Now, word for word translation from the Greek original is this. Whose are the fathers of whom concerning the, the flesh Christ came who is overall God. That's what the Greek says. Christ who is overall God. The New King James Version has it. Pretty nifty, really. Of, of whom were the fathers, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is overall the eternally blessed God. That'd be Jesus. <laughs> That's Jesus, the eternally blessed God. There's one commentator said it, it was James Montgomery Boyce. He said, you know... I find that one verse, Romans 9 5, be one of the most sublime testimonies to the full deity of our Lord Jesus Christ in all of the scriptures. But he is kind of one of those that slips in on you, isn't it? This is a testimony of doubting Thomas. The disciples say, Hey, we've seen we've seen the Lord. Yeah, right. He said, Except I see him in his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of those nails, and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, Jesus shows up again at their gathering, walks straight to him, says, Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, thrust it at my side, be not faithless, but believing. Thomas looked at him and answered, My Lord and my God. Revelation of the Father concerning the Son. Another great example is in Titus 2, 13 through 14. Paul's writing, looking for the blessed hope. That's our rapture, right? When we're out of here. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What did that say? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Paul's speaking of the rapture. The word in Scripture, you're going to find God the Father coming to meet us in the air. Jesus is the one that's coming to meet us in the air at the rapture. Not the Father. So that whole phrase has to belong to Jesus, refer to Jesus, our great God and Savior, Christ. He's the one's coming in the air, not the Father. Now really, you have to stop and think a minute, you know, about what, what this means culturally. The, the, the thing we always have to do when we read the scriptures, we need to remember to, to, it must be interpreted in a literal way a grammatical historical liberal literal way what does the language mean what do the words mean historically what did it mean then what does it say literally what did it mean religiously in the religious culture and the political culture of the day what did it mean to make this kind of confession Confess that Jesus is God. No Jew would make that confession. Without a work of God in his soul, no Jew would dare make that confession because if he did or she did, it, was to be, it would guarantee it would result in ostracization, persecution, and maybe even death at the hands of his own countrymen. No Jew is going to say that unless God moved on their soul. But on top of that, no Gentile was going to say it either. At least not if he's still worshiping the emperor as God. Because it wouldn't be politically correct. And he could lose his head over that. You know what? That day's not over. It's not over. The Muslims are still wanting to kill the Jews. And they still want to kill Christians. And they do when they're in power. And the places where they're in power. Not here. They're not in power yet. I pastored a guy several years ago. Was an engineer for one of the petroleum companies. He was stationed in uh, Saudi Arabia, I think, at the time. He was telling me about the things they had to deal with there as Christians even then. This was several probably three decades ago, he was some kind of engineer, electrical engineer, whatever. He said, Pastor, we had a a Doppler sitting on the desk. A Doppler is a little gizmo, deal that, you know, it changes the wavelength of sound. And you see one like, it looks like a telephone when you put on your, your wife's tummy, you ladies, you can hear that little baby's heartbeat, you know, wah, 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 wah. That's a Doppler. Okay, they had one on their desk there that was kind of, they had jerry-rigged it up and it kind of looked like, vaguely like a cross, he said, had some wires wrapped around it. They made them take that thing off because it looked like a cross. So it goes on. It's still going on. By the way, uh, in Jordan, I've been, of course, took tours over there and Jordan and the Middle East, and tour groups. And I found out that there's a school that goes by the acronym JETS. That stands for Jordan Evangelical Theological Seminary, and it's in Amman, Jordan. And the president of that seminary is a graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary in Dallas, and I found out about it. And so I started taking the tour groups there, to, and I introduced them to the president, and he'd talk with his son, and whatever, and we'd take up an offering, and pay a person's tuition for a year. Can you imagine what it's like for these young men and women coming to that seminary in Amman, Jordan to become missionaries, to go back to their homeland and endanger their lives with the words, lips, words of Jesus on their lips? That's what the president said. They'll go back not knowing if they will survive, but they're on fire to share the gospel. They come here to learn, and they go back to be a witness unto the Lord Jesus Christ. When you cross the border, you know, on the Israeli side, ahead of a Jewish guide, cross the border, then you've got to have an Arab guide, because they won't let the Jew come over there. I had this Arab guide and we went down to Petra. we were coming back up and I said, we got this. We'll go by the seminary. No, no, we won't have time for that. I said, yeah, we'll have time for it. And this went on all that long barren road coming back up to Mount Jordan from Petra. "And he said, We're not going to have time for that. And I finally said, look, we've come halfway around the world to tour this place. And I've been to this seminary before with groups, and this group is going there. Now, if you want to sit in the bus, that's your business. But we're going to this seminary. Are we clear about this? <laughs> he was an Arab, a Muslim. He hated the place. Off track there, I guess, but man. What a what a challenge to go into a community where you know everyone in there is a Muslim, and you stand on the street corner and start passing out little pamphlets that says Jesus is the Christ. That takes intestinal fortitude, ladies and gentlemen. In East Texas, that's just pure old guts. (laughs) You got to have a calling from God to go, and you know what? If he calls them to go or you to go, he can take care of you. God's grace will never, God will never guide you where his grace will not provide for you. Remember, he said, Paul, stay put. I've got a lot of people here. (laughs) Don't worry about the rocks so much, Paul. Stay put. I have souls here. Romans 10 9, believe unto righteousness. Believe unto righteousness. And you go to first John two twenty nine. If we know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. The born of God ones do righteousness, and he's righteous. We're believing unto righteousness. That's the next message. First John three seven little children and no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. A born of God one does righteousness and is righteous as he is righteous. Not perfect, but nonetheless, in that definitive class. And don't be concerned about the doeth part of it. <laughs> we'll talk about that in the future. But everyone that doeth righteousness to any measure, his genuine righteous acts, is evidence. That they have been born of God. The divine side. Verse John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. The world doesn't know us because they didn't know Him. But God has bestowed upon us, the Father has bestowed upon us incredible love that we are called His sons. You ever heard of the screw tape letters? C.S. Lewis wrote it. The senior demon screw tape, screw tape says to one of his understudies, Wormwood. He says this: that guiding people to hell is sometimes very difficult because the enemy, God, has a curious fantasy of making all those disgusting little human vermin into sons. <laughs> yes, turning us into sons, untouchable. It up. Now if you compare that with Jerome 112, but as many as received him, as many? What is that? That's a limiting term, right? As many. As many show up, well that's the assumption is that some are not going to come. As many as received him, but not all. Verse thirteen. Though, who are the many? They were born not of blood, has nothing to do with gene- Jewish genealogy, not of the will of the flesh, nothing to do with the affection and love between a man and a woman, nor the will of man, but of God. Those who received him and become sons of God or daughters of God are what? Born of God and it's his power because they weren't born of blood they were born from above so in conclusion John writes to those of us who have been born of God he says behold oh. it's, behold he says, wow think about it what incredible love the Father has bestowed upon us that we are called by Him, sons and daughters of God. And it all began before time began. Ephesians chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ as according He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. Before time began, God predestinated us to be adopted as His children through Christ Jesus the Lord. That's where it all began for us, ladies and gentlemen, as the born was. But as many as received Him Jesus said, "Those that the Father has given me, I'm not going to lose one of them. Amen. Not one." Right. Acts thirteen forty eight, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Amen. You know they're still out there. Yeah. Maybe some of the sound of my voice over the internet still out there, ordained to life to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Haven't believed yet. But they are ordained to life believe because they were chosen before time began to believe. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said, I'm not going to lose one of them. So that means they're going to come. But not all. But I tell you something. For us that are born of God, chosen before the foundation of the earth, born of God in Time, our time on earth, ordained to life it came to life. When these truths grip our soul to its very core, they grip us to our very core, if it does not have a dramatic impact on how we live our daily lives, there's something wrong in us. There's something wrong in us if these truths of God do not grip our souls and have a dramatic impact upon our lives. May God give us grace to live clearly and distinctly, manifesting all kinds of evidence that we are those numbered in that number before the foundation of the earth, chosen to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. God, give us grace to do that. Lord, indeed, give us grace to live out our lives like a burning flame of gospel witness, revealing your glory in our